Welcome to Better Ideas. I'm Peter Cahoon, and we've been talking to some big personalities about sustainability. Today, we're taking it to yet another level. Jason Hodges, the gardening guru of Better Homes and Gardens, and he's actually taken himself off the grid completely. He's got a place down the south coast where I've visited a couple of times. And yep, he is living completely off the grid down there. So he's going to come in and tell us all about, well, how he's getting on with that. As well as that, we've got the tiny designer princess, Caroline burns McCrave from House Rules. She's the mentor and she's coming on the show and telling us, well, what her role really is and what are those House Rules? Now, don't forget to subscribe and to let your friends know about Better Ideas. And if you're already listening on the Acast app, then you'll be looking at all the pictures and following along. If not, you need to download the Acast app so you can check out all the photographs that go along with this podcast. Hi, you've called Adam Dovel. I'm unable to answer the phone at the moment. Bye-bye. All good, mate. I just want to know what was going on on the show Friday night. That's all right. I'll make it up. (laughs) Now, this week on Better Homes and Gardens, Friday night at 7 o'clock, Joe, Karen, Adam and Graham, they're going to Dubai. What they get up to, well, find out Friday night at 7. Now, if you've been following the sustainability conversation, you will know that I've been throwing a challenge, and that is to grow something I can actually eat, and I'm prepared to feed my two young boys. If you want to follow my progress, just hashtag gardening versus Peter. Being winter, I must confess, things are sort of tracking on relatively slowly. So, look, I'm hoping to see little sprouts very, very soon. Now, next up, we've got a bloke who has taken sustainability to another level. It's Jason Hodges from Better Homes and Gardens, and down the south coast of New South Wales, he's taken himself completely off the grid. Tell us about it, Jason. a place down near Berry, isn't it? I've got a little place at Berry, and I don't have power, and I don't have water, and I don't have any worries, so it's great. <laughs> Is this an intentional or accidental lifestyle change? No, I think um, I always had it in the back of my mind. I don't have a phone line at home. I have a mobile because I have to. Everyone who knows me knows I don't read emails. I just long for a simpler lifestyle. You know, if I could eliminate traffic, the world would be a fantastic place. And eliminating an electricity bill and eliminating a water bill is an awesome thing to do because if you're paying nothing, they can never put the price up on you. This is literally someone who has gone off the grid and a little plot of land in the southern coast of New South Wales, you turn up, there's no electricity, there's no sanitation, there's no running water. Oh, and you this make is it your, sound bad. Is, no, I'm just trying to paint a picture. I mean, we, this is... We this have some, a composting toilet, my friend, and you're available to use it any time you like. <laughs> I have visited this farm. It is an experience. It's a pleasant experience. It's, it's in a beautiful part of the coast. But just tell me what goes through your mind. How do you sort of approach it as you're coming in that front gate it's a, it's a life-changing experience because otherwise you're jet sitting around the country talking television talking gardens honestly it's my happy place it's the it's it's not that i'm scared of technology or anything but i just do things that my parents would have done at the same age because that's all you could do it's so easy to do these days like you don't have to be buying tesla this and driving that kind of car i drive a toyota hilux that's reasonable on diesel you know, compared to my last one, which was petrol. So I've halved the amount of fuel I, I use every week. But down there, a couple of simple solar panels. I think I bought them at Aldi or somewhere like that. A simple converter. 
All my power tools, my radio, my lights, all work off the same batteries that my power tools work off. Water, I pump it out of the creek. It's fresh water. I'm allowed to use it for private use, not commercial use. You know, you just have to be a little bit more prepared. You, you got to put those batteries on. It's just as hard as turning off a switch anyway. And then if we want to have a bath, well, it takes 15 minutes to heat the water. So the bath's in the middle of the paddock. You know, you got to collect some firewood. Even firewood, I planted some poplars. So... I planted about 60 poplars who have really, really fast-growing uh, tree, and they're about 12 metres tall in three years, and now I can knock down 10 every year and replant 10 more, and I've got my firewood for the year. What about refrigeration? What do you do? We just run a little generator. The solar panels will run just the, like the, the fridge that's out of a caravan, and they can convert from gas to 240. So if my solar's low or it's a grey day or the batteries didn't charge, I can just put it onto a gas bottle like you would use your barbecue. Now, you're not living there full time, though. We should tell people. How often are you there? I'm there two to three nights a week, and it's quite comfortable. And then if the whole family's there, Lisa and me, Jake and Heidi, the batteries will drain over, over a weekend. But that all that means is I need a couple more batteries and a couple more solar panels, and we could live quite comfortably, which is, might be a $1,000 investment. How does the family get their head around it? They love it. That's they love just, it. You know what? I'm not saying that I'm rich or anything, but I could go and borrow a little bit more money and go and buy a house down there. So why go from a house in suburbia to a house in a rural area where the kids watch TV and they play with that iPad or whatever it is? Go down there and we live in a tiny little hut that I built for 600 bucks and we live on top of each other so we have to communicate. So you know gets played, Monopoly gets played, you know, two nine-year-olds that know how to play chess. Those things, if they went back to school, they'd be lucky to be one or two kids that would have a collective experience of what they would have on a weekend. So the kids literally can't charge a device? Can't charge? All of, no, they can't because I tell them that we're unavailable. <laughs> but, 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 mind you, there's a place for those things if they're getting ratty and they're tired mm. because they're on their, they're outside, they're on their feet from 7 in the morning. If they do get ratty, I'll say, oh, look, I'll put a movie on. You know, and that's the equivalent of a nine-year-old having a nap. Yeah, right. Okay. So, and how long have you embraced this this lifestyle? Is this a recent lifestyle change? About or? five years. I tried it up in the Hunter Valley first, but it was a bit hot and a bit cold, and uh, Griggsy moved in, so the real estate prices <laughs> dropped. Um, best thing about the Hunter Valley is the Bunnings in Cessnocks was proudly own, opened by Jason Hodges, mm. and every time Griggsy and her husband Todd have to go and shop, they see my name there with a the sign on it. But no, the, look, the South Coast is literally the greenest place I've ever seen I in Australia. I agree with you there. Yeah, you know, it's beautiful. Around Byron and Bellingen and those places are great, but I reckon on average, Berry and Milton and places like that on the south coast, it's just you don't feel like you're in Australia with the rainfall that we get. It's a similar sort of landscape to Tasmania, that sort of voluptuous it's volcanic. Than, it's greener than Tasmania. Mm. The other thing about being sustainable is if I was there full-time, I'd have a massive veggie garden. All right, so we've got dribs and drabs in Sydney and dribs and drabs down there. Herbs are the way to go. And I encourage everyone to do this. People always say, oh, I want a veggie garden for the kids. It might only be five minutes a day, but it's every day. It's like a newborn baby. A herb garden, thyme, basil, parsley, mint, coriander, lemongrass, bay tree, and citrus, you can do it once a week for five minutes. And they're there all year round, and provided you don't get really ridiculously heavy frost. And the encouragement and the enthusiasm you get from having a herb garden will lead the right people into having a veggie garden. And it can turn a very ordinary sausage into something that's fancy pants because you've sprinkled some thyme and rosemary over the top of it. And if you just do it always, kids grow up with it and they're two and three, they're not saying what they don't like. And by the time they're seven and nine, 
They actually want that because they didn't know. If you put it on once when they're 10, they're going to go, oh, I don't like it. But if they grow up with it, they're going to love it. We're talking with Jason Hodges, who literally lives off the grid. He's not off the planet, just off the grid down at Berry a few nights a week. Jason, a couple more tips there. I mean, if you're, if you're looking at doing a veggie garden, start off with a herb garden. What are some other tips you can give people for, if you think about moving off the grid? Well, this tiny house living sensation that everyone's doing and Instagram's fed it and Pinterest and all that, the most important thing is where you position what you're living in. Because if your house is one room, you don't want all the sun bellowing in first thing in the morning and you don't want all the sun bellowing in last thing in the evening because it's going to heat your little hut up for the rest of the day and the night. So positioning and, and planting shade trees, it's so much better to go and plant a deciduous tree in the right position and maybe work with an umbrella for the first couple of years than building some great big structure. Mm. If you're working small and you're trying to be conservative, you know, planting a tree is a positive to the environment and to the world. Or going and buying all the timber to make a pergola is a negative to the world. Mm. So I'm not saying don't build beautiful structures, yeah. but I'm just saying one tree that might cost you 50 bucks can be life-changing to how much time you spend outside, your thermal mass of your building. You know, when it's so small, that can be huge and be either hot or cold. So deciduous trees and working out where the sun rises and sets can just set you up for success or guarantee your failure. This is the incredibly inspirational chat with, with, with Jason, who's basically just describing a blueprint of getting out of the city, getting out of the burbs. You bought a basically block of land and started from scratch and put an old sort of, you know, it's like a Frederick McCubbing painting, a little hut on there and basically fitted it out and put a, some deciduous tree to shade and just simplified it. How simple can I make it? When I'm in Berry, I drive a 1970s Land Rover short wheelbase. It was in a paddock from 1991 and I drove past it all the time. And one day I walked in and my brother always said, if you can see it, it's not for sale. <laughs> and I knocked on the door and I said, excuse me, I was just wanting to take a photo of your ute. I love it. And so I took the photo and about five minutes later I went, you wouldn't sell it to the right person, would you? And he went, oh, I was going to do it up for my son. And I went, oh, how old's the little bloke? Oh, he's 49 next week. <laughs> <laughs> he lived in Townsville and it would have cost more to move the car up there than what it was worth. I drive around town now in this little car. Yeah. It puts a smile on everyone's face. They know exactly what I'm doing. I'm just living that slow easy, comfortable, not trying to show off, just trying to make sure that the fun things I do are easy, cheap, and comfortable, and good for the world. Let me ask you one more question, right? Psychologically, what does it do? Oh, I'm to- a different person down there. I know I'm a different person down there. Nothing, there's no traffic. There's, I, know, I know that you get, so I've got two, two little ones that go to schools. I'd move down there tomorrow. I can't because of work and because of them. But I know that if I go down there, my day's fuller. There's, you know, there's no fun in sitting in the traffic for an hour to get to work and get home. That's two hours of your life you never get back. Times that by five, times that by 52, mm. times that by 80 years, and you've probably wasted six or seven years of your life. I don't mean to depress everyone. <laughs> but the minute you have the opportunity to get out of the city, you can do this at home as well. You can read, you know, you just got to have a plan. You can either be a rat in the cage. I, I drive past bus stops with mm. my kids, and I don't mean to be disparaged to or be mean to someone listening to this podcast standing at a bus stop. But I say to the kids, from six years old, I go, what are they? They're rats in cages. They live in the units behind that bus stop. 
so they can get on that bus and go into town to buy their lunch to come back to pay for the unit they live for so they can do it tomorrow. I've always been self-employed. My dad was self-employed. Every person I know in my family is self-employed. You can either build your own dreams or you can work for someone and build their dreams. And so if you go through every day and you're just keeping up with the Joneses, maybe it's time to say, I need a, a sea change, a tree change. I need to go off grid. I know this is off topic, but this is a lifestyle thing. And really just rethink, is it worth keeping up with the Joneses? Is it worth living in this big city? Because I'll spend two hours a day more with my kids. That straight away is the answer right there. And potentially saving enormous amounts of money. 100%. You're listening to Better Ideas. And next week, we keep the sustainability theme going with Tassie Pig Farmer, SBS gourmet farmer and sustainability documentary maker and advocate, Matthew Evans. There is this sad thing that we've kind of done is we value bits of the animal more than other bits. The butchers are tending to buy in just the bits they want, so they would just buy in fillets and sirloins and rump steak. Now, Matthew has a real passion for sustainability and some great practical advice on how we can, well, do our bit for the environment. Now, from sustainability to reality TV, how's that for yin and yang? Next up, I'm talking to the tiny designer princess, Caroline Burns McCrave. House Rules is full of girl power. Absolutely, it's girl power. So myself, Joe Griggs and Wendy Moore, our judge, we've all been on it since day dot. Series 7. Yeah. And you're the design mentor. Can you just explain what that exactly means, design mentor? I had to have it explained to me as well, actually, when we started. It seemed like a really good idea at the time. It's a great title. Uh, it, it is, isn't it? Actually, sometimes they call me design expert, and I'm like, oh, that's a mm. bit of pressure, isn't it? Because mm. I don't know about that. I'm there just basically to hold the team's hand through the whole process. So I'm there from day one till I actually blow the hooter at the end. I'll have you know, <laughs> Jo used to do it. She's no longer there on the last she day. She relinquished so. that, really? She, she was never happy with the hooter in her hand. I don't know why, but she had a little bit... Oh, I'll have to ask her later. She had a bit... She didn't like the hooter. Me? Love the hooter. I'm all over the hooter. <laughs> Series 7, you've done, what, more than 50 houses, and I'd imagine. Yeah, I haven't quite counted it up. It would be more than 50. So I'm the only person who has been on site for... Every mm. every single house from from a build and design sense. So design mental perspective. Then yep. you'd come into these sort of places. How do you approach them? How do you approach each one? I always have to remind myself that I'm I'm working with amateurs. You know, I've been at it for over twenty years, and I I constantly have to sort of think back. Hang on, these these are rookies, mm. and these are people who may or may not have an interest in design. You know, we've had loads of contestants over the years who've just thought. This is going to be a hoot. I'm going to get my house renovated. Mm. I'm up for it. And they know nothing mm. about mm. design. So they're actually my favourites. The ones that are just bunnies in the headlight and really know nothing. They're more open. They're like sponges because there's no preconceived ideas of what design is or what different styles are and that sort of thing. So my job is just to guide them through those house rules it's a very practical job too because I'm always keeping my eye on, you know, layouts and, and all the sort of structural stuff as in, you know, heights of the vanities, how wide the spot is for the toilet, all, all that sort of, you know, professional stuff that's in the background. Mm. I have to keep my eye on that as well and make sure that these houses are going to function and, and work and be okay when they're finished. Okay, so if people are renovating their home, renovating part of their home, mm-hmm. as a design mentor, what would be the first steps you would be telling them? 
the most important thing that I really hope that House Rules conveys to people watching is to empower people to go with what makes them happy. Don't worry about fads or style or resale or, you know, I have the seven-year rule. If you think you're going to be in your property for longer than seven years, then it is all about you. Do not renovate for the person who's going to live there after you. Mm. Uh, and so why? Mm. the reason why I love the sort of house rules is they are so personal. You know, we're customising houses for the people who live there. It's about being true to who you are, that to me is the most exciting part that I hope people at home will then apply to their own renovations. Okay. Well, as an architect, so far, I agree with you. Okay. <laughs> In other words, you've got to establish a brief of what Absolutely. someone wants. Absolutely. And that is essentially what our five house rules are. They are the design brief. Mm. So you imagine as an architect or me as a designer going to a client saying, you can give me five lines... Mm-hmm. of what you're all about and what you love visually mm-hmm. and then you go away and then I'm going to create your house for you. Imagine how difficult professionally that would be mm-hmm. and that's what we do to our contestants every week. And the timeline that people sort of see on television, yes. obviously, obviously it's truncated. In the yes. fair income world, how oh. long is this stuff taking to do? It's it's literally the seven days. Actually, it's one day of planning and six days of building. Really? So it's and it's and got to be done. It's always my favourite question because people always come up to me in the street and go, "There's no way you do that in seven days." And I go, "You're right, we don't." And they they're like, "Yes, I knew it, I knew <laughs> it." And I go, "We actually do it in six. Right. And the yeah, conversation right. pretty much stops at that yeah, point. Right. It's all about tradies on top of each other. It's all about cooperation. We have a, an amazing project manager who just keeps it trucking along Mm. and then each team is responsible for the project management of their zone so their zone may incorporate you know three different rooms and they have to be on top of their tradesmen how many hours their tradesmen are there for does the waterproofing get done in time for their tiles did their tap bodies come in time to go into the wall before the tiles go up they are responsible for all of that Karen, I know it all sort of it's it's tied to be tied up in a bow within six days, but but there's things that don't get finished. Oh, oh, absolutely. Um, I think we had uh, just on the last Western Australian built, there was rooms that weren't grouted. You know, so there was tiles that were up, but mm. but there was no grout on them. <laughs> We've had shower screens that are just leaning up against a wall in a bathroom and and never got installed. We've had taps that haven't been installed. We've had things that haven't been delivered. Every single season we end up with teams in the skip bin looking for a part of a tap fixture that's been, you know, thrown out in the box. Because, you know, the sites are, they're pretty full on. There's a lot of stuff going on. And, you know, we try and keep the site as clean as possible. So things get thrown away. So they're always in the skip bin looking for that one little thing that their trading needs to get things finished. I'm with Carolyn, who's a design mentor (laughs) on house rules. Now, Carolyn, this is where I have a bone to pick (laughs) with someone like you, right? You've got these beautiful people that come on this show with limited experience and they're throwing all this Mm -hmm. design jargon at Mm -hmm. them, right? They're already in the television headlights. Now they've got to learn a new vocabulary, right? Now, terms like modern and contemporary, I mean... What does it mean to you? Because it's just like wanky talk, isn't it? I mean, does it mean anything really? Well, a lot of a lot of it is just sort of something to get the ball rolling in terms of research. So, what I find the house rules do is they there's always keywords in there that they'll go, oh, I need to throw that into Google and and see what comes back. Tell me, no one uses the word contemporary. 
What is it? I'm an art. What is it? It can mean anything. Well, this is the thing. I think some <laughs> contemporary tends to pop up when a team wants something modern, but they want it to be. I mean, my idea of contemporary is of of the moment. You know what yes, is so which means when anything. Well, yes, but see. That's what's so beautiful about house rules. It then comes down to everybody's interpretation. Do they get it right? Do the judges think they're right? Does the homeowner think they're right? Do I think it's right? Half the time, all three groups don't agree. I, when I watch the judges' walkthroughs, I'm often yelling at the TV. Well, in my <laughs> because it's subjective and it means nothing, no, right? Well, no. <laughs> Look, I'm telling you, like, if you like modern, <laughs> modern, you can pin. Yes. Modern comes from the Bauhaus, earlier 20th century. There's there's rules. Try with modern, telling right? teams that modern means modern and not whatever's on special at Harvey Norman this oh, week. Oh God, industrial. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to make a space oh. industrial. God, how many times have we? Now, if it's a warehouse or a loft conversion, if you're reusing old building stock, sure, it's absolutely relevant. To start from scratch and say you're you're moving towards an industrial intent, I'm saying you don't know what you're talking about. See, this is, again, this is a problem that we're totally on the same page here, Peter. This is a problem that I have. I thought I was coming in for an argument. Okay, this is good. (laughs) Sorry to disappoint. That's all right. (laughs) Uh, When a a team asks for, you know, an industrial style, and their house is a 50s brick veneer. Yeah. I'm just like, no, oh, we're pushing shit uphill yeah. with a stick here. Mm-hmm. Like, Through a few more terms. Mid-century modernism. Now, this is something oh. people can learn from. Yes. Okay. Well, it's just fabulous, isn't it? Mid-century I mean, modernism. We, we, we both agree on that. Oh. Bohemian. We've done a lot of boho. Yeah, boho. Yeah, uh, yeah. oh, we don't say bohemian, we say boho. boho. That's right on trend. Oh, that's it? what the kids are saying, Peter. They're Please. saying boho. Okay, okay, <laughs> boho. We could, that's basically you, you can be messy and it's boho cool. is just a bit of macrame. Yeah. Okay. And a, you know, when you look at it, you should smell incense. Okay, now listen, Hollywood glam, the yes. less said about this, the better, right? Oh, look, Jonathan Adler is my spirit animal, so let's not talk down Hollywood <laughs> glam, okay? <laughs> Kelly Wurstler, Jonathan Adler. If they could have got together and had a baby, oh, it would have been me. Oh, God, really? Okay, Hollywood claim. Maybe I need to look no, more into actually, it. No, I, look, I, <laughs> I say that. I loved it 5, 10, 15 years ago. Mm. I'm more about Golden Girl Chic now. That's my sweet spot. I thought we were friends. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's all I, gone so wrong so I've, quickly. I've, I've, got, I've got one more because mm-hmm. this is my most infuri- infuriating <laughs> Download, design style trend okay. used in this country. Coastal Hamptons. Don't ever, ever encourage anyone to design in the style of coastal Hampton. Why would we look for a provincial New York elite suburb for inspiration for designing coastal homes? See, look, I actually took my husband to the Hamptons to go on a bit of a design tour because I loved Hampton so much. I thought, well, I'm going to go to the source so I truly understand it. Out. That and that's what I told. Turn the microphones off. That's what I told my tax accountant. It was a great holiday. That's fair enough. You can, <laughs> you can write it off. But coastal ham, we've got the greatest coastal architects in the world here. We should be calling it Palmy, Coastal Palmy or Coastal Mornington. Why look to the bloody Hamptons because, in America for inspiration? Because we are dealing with rookie renovators and rookie designers who need to no. hang their hat on something that they well, they can need research. to be educated, Carolyn, in what I Australians do, can guess. do in terms of Australian coastal design. <laughs> It's been fun up until then, Carolyn. Up until we then, we were doing so well. <laughs> we're doing so well. <laughs> it was almost a loving, and oh, then it God. just we, went we, to hell in a handbasket. Oh well. 
Well, the tiny design princess, she's a real hoot, Carolyn Burns McCrave. Now, you can watch all the House Rules action on 7, Sunday nights at 7pm and Mondays at 7.30. Now, don't forget to subscribe and let your friends know about Better Ideas and join me for next week when I talk to Matthew Evans for more Better Ideas. Now, Better Ideas is a 7 West Media production. Loretta Farrell is the producer. Nicky Hamilton is the executive producer. And I'm your host, Pete Calhoun.